This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your patisserie chef on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week? I'm not too bad, pal. I uh, feel like I've spent the majority of my lifetime talking to you this past two weeks. We've got to get better at, at like, pack recording these Patreon shows, because it feels like I, I have talked to you more than my own family. Yeah, I, I've pretty much seen your face for longer than I've seen either of my kids in the last week, at least. You could probably, like, do a mastermind topic on what are the names of all the books behind Dave's head on his Zoom screen, because <laughs> you've been staring at this same background for so long. Yeah. It's, uh, um, and look, it, it's a good way to spend multiple nights of a week. Hey, look, you know, we we um, a month into the big project of which we shall mention later, and we still haven't killed each other, so it's pretty good. Uh, we're probably not going to get sick of this anytime soon. Uh, maybe each other, but not this this project. Yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for the rumors to start that we don't actually like each other, and somebody has been kicked it's off beef. the show. Lee was sent home from TV. <laughs> yeah. All possible. Um, I'm going to hit you with a hot slice of snack talk straight off the gate. Here we go. Um, first off, most recently, I suppose I, I tweeted this as I was waiting around for the show to start. Uh, I just had a wedge of the most decadent strawberry cheesecake. You, I, uh, you, you say as you are waiting around, you come onto the Skype call ha- with about half full of cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh... Yeah, I see. The thing was, I had a very disappointing dinner, so I, 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 I kind of felt like I could excuse myself the cake while I was waiting for you. I had like, what, what was the dinner? Well, the disappointing element of it was I had champ mash, which I normally really like, mm. which is for those of you who don't know, is mashed potato with spring onions in it, um, chopped up. And normally I like that, but this was the, I don't know if. Uh, the, the spring onions were overcooked, okay. I will say. So it was kind of like instead of the nice little crunch and the pop of oniony flavor in the middle of your creamy mash, I was getting slightly drier mash and slightly soggier um, spring onions. Mm. So it was very disappointing. Um, but also, hey, um, not to, you know, have this be a Dave parade early days, but I had a birthday last week and that is the other element of my snack talk. Come on, you you have me intrigued here. Is this going to be birthday cake talk? So uh, no, no. Um, I don't do birthday cake usually. Like I, I'll eat a cake, 
Um, I actually, as, as we've all seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll like I had um at the weekend in one of my groups, uh, somebody brought in because it's Pride Month, brought in like a, a rainbow lemon oh, cake, lovely. and that was absolutely delicious. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting meandering from one type of snack talk to another now. Um, so for my the day of my birthday, uh, I took it off work. And we went to Galway on the west coast of Ireland. An absolutely beautiful city. Great place to just... The whole plan for the day was just like ramble around, mm. have some snacks, you know, see some stuff. I, I, um, I have to say, I do love Galway City. Yeah. Great place to have a pint. Great place for... There, there's always like live music somewhere in the town, uh, regardless of time of day. It's lovely. It's got a great vibe to it. Um, and I went to a place that I... Now, I had been last summer... Um, once and I was like if I go next time I go back to Galway I have to go again and it's a place called Burger Story which for anybody who knows Galway or intends to visit Galway it's near the Spanish Arch mm. in Galway Um, and I had a get this maple and chipotle fried chicken burger so you're talking chicken fillet that has been brined in maple syrup and then covered in like a nice spicy southern fried coating. And then on a burger with cheese, bacon, uh, onion, tomato, lettuce, and their own kind of like in-house chipotle southwest sauce. Uh, uh, I'm not going to lie, Dave. This sounds like probably one of the best burgers I've ever heard in my life. Uh, it's uh, it's one of the best burgers I've ever had in my life. It's got to be said. Um I actually learned quite recently, I am a burger enthusiast, and I spent a lot of, I don't know if I ever talked about it on this show, one of the things I got really into during the lockdowns uh, was food YouTube. So, like, um, I was watching all the Bon Appetit channel until that thing imploded in, like, 2021, I think. So the first year was a lot of Bon Appetit. But I started watching a lot of the First We Feast channel, which has, like, hot ones on it, which is the big kind of, you know, popular viral series of the moment. Uh, But on there as well, they have, like, um, The Burger Show, which is hosted by the guy Alvin, who started the food truck Egg Slut that's very popular in the US that you might have heard Mm. of. Um, But then there was, like, a spin-off series, because he used to constantly have a guest on called George Motes, who's the hamburger scholar. Um, he's like this guy who is a historian of the American hamburger. He's written two books on it. I actually have one of them over this shoulder, somewhere in this direction here. Um, and he, George Motes was on so often to talk about different specialty regional burgers because there are so many, there like there are so many different region specific burgers in the U.S. alone that it's it's absolutely fascinating to see the you know, the history of them and how they're made and things like that. And then he got his own spin-off series called the, the Burger Scholar Sessions, which I watched every episode of as well. That is a long way to say that I only found out the day after it happened. I was I was having pints with a friend of mine recently, and uh, he mentioned to me that just a previous day. He had met George Motes in Dublin and had a George Motes burger. Oh, wow. George Motes came to Dublin and did like a pop-up burger stall for the day. And I was like, I was fucking livid. that <laughs> <laughs> I had missed this. I was like, dude, I am so happy for you that I know somebody that had a George Motes hamburger. But I am fucking disgusted that that person was not me. Ah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. It'll come back. 
the day will come. Yeah. George, there, look, I have a spare room, George, <laughs> if you want to come back. <laughs> is, that, uh, is that open to all burger enthusiasts or just Mr. Moats? Um, you know, Alvin that hosts the burger show would be more than welcome as well. Um, I'll, 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 I'll keep track of which, which food YouTubers <laughs> would be welcome in the guest room. They have to be run by friend of the show, Jack Lazell, though, because usually he has first dibs of the spare room when he comes uh, over. We call, we call it Jack's room. Um, so he, he'll have to decide, but he's into burgers. That must so be sure get, get very confusing if uh, Jack is over and somebody has to use the Jack's. Yeah, especially when I I think the first time he came over to visit, he didn't know that was a thing Irish people really say that we use jacks as a as a way of saying going to the toilet. Yeah, uh, yeah he didn't. Nor did he know that when like an Irish person says "all right, horse," that it's not an insult. <laughs> that is just an equivalent of saying "all right, pal," "all right, chief," "all right, boss." It's, it's like, did you just call me a horse? I was like, yeah, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. As, as we um, used to say, he's a horse or a man, but you can't show trotting. <laughs> uh, Lee speaking of horses we have put a lot of horse power into the Patreon in our first month that's a fucking I'll tell you what that's one I'll of my better you, segues that, that was a good segue I'll give, I won't <laughs> give you any abuse for that one uh, run us down very quickly whistle stop tour of um, what we got up to last week and what people can look forward to uh, this coming week well, first of all I will mention the link seen as you forgot it's patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod um, yeah so last week we had the first ever drafts and drafts episode where mm. we drafted combined WCW ECW rosters and I believe the poll went up today did it? Uh, it's uh, it isn't up as we're recording, but it'll be up before the show is out. Okay, so the pressure is now on Dave to get the poll up on Thursday. No, it'll <laughs> be up. It'll be up. It's just <laughs> certain people hadn't sent me their card for the show. I sent you that card like twelve hours ago. Oh yes, right. You mean during the hours where normal human beings sleep? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm awake early in the morning for work. <laughs> Uh, is, life being friends with Lee is getting uh, hearing nothing between like after about nine or ten o'clock at night, but then randomly getting about six texts in a row at five in the morning. Yeah, it it's it can be a hard uh, hard life sometimes. The, the early da life is a tough one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we had the first draft and drafts, and we also had our first episode of rehashing the champions earlier in the month, which mm-hmm. got a great response. From the patrons. So, coming up the first week of July, we will have episode two of Rehash of the Champions. Yeah. And I think that's it, isn't it? Uh, the third week of July is going to be... Oh, yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah. Is going to be Days of Thunder at the movies. Yes. For which, uh, in the final week of June, uh, which is just coming up now, uh, this weekend... Um, we will be putting up the poll for that. So we decided it kind of, um, I think in the development of the show and in talking back and forward um, with listeners, mm. um, the idea of doing a poll of three, which would be like um, Dave's choice, Lee's choice, and I'll pick one of the listeners' random choices maybe as well to fill out the three slots. And then yep. everybody on the Patreon votes for it and, th- and that's going to be our show. Um, all I will say, um, because I'm not going to reveal, you're going to have to sign up to the Patreon to find out what the three choices are and to vote on them. But I will say 
one of the choices, the the fan choice for this month, is in fact the movie Days of Thunder. It's very apropos. Um, and I'm going to give a little teaser about that one. I have never seen Days of Thunder. Ah, a good time will be had, my friend. Um, I I will say as well, just kind of you know to be nice about it. Um, we are coming up towards the end of the month, which means if you're not familiar with Patreon, that's the end of the billing cycle. So. If you're really thinking about it and if you're like, oh, I'd like to vote on those polls, I'd like to take part, you know, and I'd like to listen to those shows next month, hold off until July yes, 1st because sure. you will get double charged. So mm-hmm. the, the, regardless of when you sign up, you get billed on the first of the month. So if all of what Lee and myself just said sounds tempting to you, put a reminder in the phone, crack a dawn on July 1st that you're going to sign up at patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod. Um, and join in all the fun then and believe me you know even if you you'll I think we're closing the drafts and drafts vote before the end of the month but there will be more drafts and drafts and there are going to be plenty more opportunities to uh, to get involved uh, I suppose that the last thing I will mention really quickly I really appreciate the people who have been giving me recommendations on uh, my new series on the Patreon which is The Sheet which is me posting my uh, match of the year tracking spreadsheet every month and then kind of um, I, I think I'm going to turn it into like a little bit of solo audio where I talk about the stuff I've been watching and the stuff I've been recommended by listeners and stuff like that now you mm. can recommend me I was tweeting this the other night if you want to recommend me on the Twitter matches that I that I may have missed or you know may not see that is absolutely cool but the only place I'm going to be talking about what I thought of those matches is going to be behind the paywall uh, which I think is 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 fair. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to do the the patrons out of uh, out of the the exclusive content. That's for sure. I, I am absolutely going to recommend you watch every Edge match. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely believable coming from you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, this is not your standard. Uh, you may have seen by the episode title. This is not your standard Thunder program. This is one of our detours. Uh, where we're going across to Monday nights to talk about Nitro. And Lee, would it shock you to learn that we have not watched an episode of WCW Nitro since August of 2021? Wow, really? Yes. And this is our first uh, Nitro on um, Voices Wrestling. It is, yeah. That's a long time, actually. Yeah, yeah. Long, long time. It was literally the the start of well, actually maybe it wasn't hold on <laughs> i might be i might be talking absolute shit here lee uh but i feel like that's when i looked it up um <laughs> uh but it is suffice to say it has been a while we have not we have definitely not done one on voices of wrestling yet. i love that you're now you are now backtracking because you are not at all sure yourself. no i said i said it with full-throated confidence and then i don't know what happened but i have very <laughs> very quickly started losing that confidence yeah 6th of august 2021 never doubt yourself lee that's a life lesson um so we kind of like we do this a little bit differently there's no uh finish counter brought to you by ludwig borga on these shows um and they are quite exhaustively long shows um so there will be a couple of segments that are literally just get very quickly referenced and then we move on because not only are these shows long, but Lee, these shows are bad. 
Yeah, so I think we can say this off the bat. And we both said this separately without prompting from the other. This may be one of the worst episodes of wrestling television I have ever seen. Yeah, and the length is only part of that reason. Um, now, the thing about the thing about it is that we don't we don't always go over to Nitro again. This is only the fifth time in like three years of doing this show that we've gone over to Nitro. We only do it for significant for either good or bad reasons uh events that occur on it so we're gonna have a couple of nitros coming up in thick and fast because we've got this one and then literally the next nitro is the is the the canada nitro with goldberg versus brett so we're gonna watch that but this the reason we picked this lee is Sorry, sorry what's this we the reason I actually, I believe it was some of our listeners in the VOW Discord that pointed this one out to us to, to put on the calendar. Um, this is the 1999 Spring Breakout episode of Nitro, Nitro episode 184, dated the 22nd of March 1999, coming from Club La Vila in Panama City, Florida, the Redneck Riviera, Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this uh, again... I've started doing this since last thunder. Uh, I'm wherever I see the rating, I'm going to put it in. Inexplicably, Lee, a three point nine rating. Yeah, like, uh, uh, why? What were people doing that they stuck out watching this show? One thing that I uh, I sort of it annoys me in the moment, but in terms of being able to skip through stuff, the amount of replays on this show. Oh my god, I I lost my reason. I. I counted. There was. Oh, sorry, I didn't count. But I should have counted. There had to have been about fifteen replays or segments or interview flashbacks yeah. or before we even got to the second match. Uh, I think twice on this show they uh, they show you something that they had already shown you. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're like the thing about this is like there's hitting something home that they think is important, and then there's overdoing it. Nothing you know? they were doing at this point was important. That that's no. the worst part. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, let's just go for it, buddy. Let's go. We get a soft focus recap of Flair's <laughs> promo from last week. Uh, I'm re- just going to say some... recap is probably going to be the most commonly used term on this show. Mm-hmm. Apart from boring, maybe. Um, you know the the promo where he called himself like an all powerful, basically a deity, uh, and it's the one where something that I, I I had never credited WCW with this, but this is the thing that people used to clown on WWF WWE for, where it's like the champion comes out and then is immediately beset by a series of challengers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happened, as you might remember from our last episode, where Goldberg comes out to confront him, and then Nash, and then Hogan. This leads to a tag team match later in the night, which they show us. Um, that was Flair and Goldberg versus Nash and Hogan. It ends in a fuck finish because you have Charles Robinson refusing to do the count because you know, remember his referee's discretion from the pay per view, and then Goldberg spearing Hogan. So we're firmly in the. Charles Robinson is in Flair's pocket territory. More on that later, sadly. Um, but hey, they kick off. We got our fireworks, our pyro, our ballyhoo. Um, it's spring breakout. Let's talk about the venue, Club La Vila in Panama City. Yeah. What do you think of it? An absolute dive. 
so I think the visual of it, the ring being in the middle of a giant pool party is awesome. Okay, the the overhead shot to open yeah. the show, very good. Yeah, the shot of the hard cam with the you know the balcony in the background where people are kind of dancing and having a drink or whatever, not the worst. But then as you get get more of a look around the venue. It yeah. doesn't look like the best place in the world, I'll be honest. They um they don't visually like maximize the, the venue at all. Like they don't apart from that one overhead shot, mm-hmm. they don't make it look really cool and summery, which absolutely sucks. Um now one thing and I think we we've said this before on on previous shows WWE never ever alter the look of their shows. No. So I will absolutely give credit to WCW for doing this, doing Road Wild, doing different things to make shows stand out and make them feel important. Mm-hmm. I think AW do a good job of that. Like they yeah. whenever they go back to Jacksonville, it feels different to any other dynamite yeah. or rampage. hmm And this this is kind of like this feels similar. Yeah. Um but yeah, like they, they really, it, like it is a bit of a dive of a venue, but there is stuff you could have done to make it look better. There's angles you could have shot it from to mm-hmm. make it look more special. Like essentially, you know, you were saying the hard cam shot, it doesn't look too bad. But the thing that I hate about the hard cam shot is that it doesn't like, I want the wide shot with the pool. Yeah. Like, but they're closing in enough that it could be fucking anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like immediately removing the specialness of it. Um. Talk about uh, immediately removing the specialness of something. Uh, just be- just as I'm taking in how great it is, uh, the pool is uh, that there is a pool there, and therefore somebody must be going into the pool later. We then go to a long recap of the hardcore match from Uncensored and Chastity aligning with Hack. Um, I don't know why. Again, this is a running theme in Nightly. I don't know why this flashback needed to be that long, but it certainly was that long. Well, all I can imagine is that too many wrestlers got drunk this that day on the beach, and yeah. a couple of them had to be pulled oh. from the show. Oh, oh, we saw some video of some wrestlers having a mighty fine time at the beach mm-hmm. that week. Uh, uh, that is that is eminently believable, my friend. Um, our opening contest on Nitro, and I feel maybe I have completely cursed us with my running bit about the art of the opener on this show yep. uh, because our opener on this show is Van Hammer versus Bullpain I mean if there's two people that ever screamed spring break it is Van Hammer and Bullpain <sighs> I Dave this is one of the fucking worst matches you'll ever see on TV um it was very windy, very obviously windy in Club La Vila, but it was ice cold in the ring. Is <laughs> That is for sure. This was horrendous I from start to finish. They they locked up and there was already boring chance. Yeah. They, and look, let's just get into it straight away. This is some goddamn gear that Bull Payne has on. I've never seen anything like this. Um, I'm, I'm about to, I, I think I'm about to coin a term. Go for it. Paunch cleavage. Paunch cleavage. <laughs> he he had gear on that seemed exclusively designed to accentuate his pot belly. Yeah, I can see that. 
Um, I think he looks like a really low rent yeah. member of Demolition. Yeah. And luckily, as men of carriage, we we totally uh, we totally support the uh, the beatification of the dad bod in all mm-hmm. its glory. But this is this was like it was borderline racy. If you were into <laughs> if you were into a fellow with a belly, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> What, what do you want to talk about the fucking match do you <laughs> no I'd rather just not do this <laughs> yeah um, um they, Van Hammer won I mean Jesus Christ that tells you all you need to know about this do you know what the do you know what the moment that really got me in this match that tells you how boring this was and how how just uninterested people were in these guys is that they went to the outside really quickly and in the opening match of a three hour show they're already teasing pool spots and again if there's a pool there someone has to go into it it's just the law mm-hmm. so you knew someone was going to go into it even though for a while here I was saying it they're actually not going to do it but they tease it in the first match and no one reacts no, nobody cares imagine boring people that are this visibly drunkly <laughs> Because this was, this made, I don't know, this made the the level of intoxication that was apparent in this spring break crowd made Sturgis look like a Boy Scout rally. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the crowd weren't... Um... They, they, yeah, they weren't into this at all, and I don't think any amount of booze or other substances could have helped. Van Hammer just refused to even try, because there is, as per usual in his matches, nothing resembling urgency in what he does. Like, I will say, at least when Bullpain has brief moments in this match, he's doing, like... He's at least moving with a bit of pace. Mm. You know, I'm not saying it's great pace, but I'm saying at least he's, he's he seems to be trying. He's just not very good at it. Um, the, 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 the thing I noticed about Hammer the most in this match was that his boots were half-tied. Oh, uh, yeah. That and was. it was very distracting. Yeah. Um, l- the highlight of this match might have been Larry Zbysko on commentary asking Brain, to, uh, Brain and Tony to clarify, are there actually sharks in the water? And Tony disappointingly says, there are not. <laughs> no, it's it's Tanae and uh, Tony. Tanae is on the call all night with, with Tony. And then... Oh, yeah, sorry, not Brain. La- sorry, Larry yeah, is yeah. replaced by Brain. Yes, 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 that's right. My, my mistake. Um, so, yeah, as you said, Van Hammer wins with the flashback, which is like a very lazy, one-shouldered Alabama slammer. Yeah. The fucking, like you said, lazy, no-urgency Alabama slam. Uh, and then... Like, for reasons that are beyond my understanding, he looks right down the hard cam and strikes, like, a 20s pugilist pose. <laughs> because... Which is not his gimmick. That's going to be his next gimmick. Yeah. Him and fucking Simon Grimm are going to take over the indies. That would be grim indeed. Uh-huh. Um, We are brought to you on Nitrous Night by both Cineburst Gum and Baby Ruth. <laughs> we flash back to... What seems like a much better Nitro with a much better match, and that's Kidman versus Ray. I would have been totally fine if they took up 10, 15 minutes of this program just showing that entire match. 
but they didn't, they, Dave. Sadly, this is the one replay on the whole show they decided to cut short. Instead, they gave us Ricky Rackman. Yeah. Is that, am, am I saying his name right? Rackman? Yes. Did you did you know Ricky Rackman? I recognise Ricky Rackman, but I don't know why. So he's an MTV guy. Yeah, that's what I was Basically, thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's an MTV guy. So um, if you saw any American MTV stuff in the 90s, you know, mid to late 90s, there's a chance you may have seen him on stuff before. I'm not sure what his, like, does he do more dates with WCW or not? I couldn't tell you. Um, I, but I, one, th- he, one thing I will say for Ricky, he genuinely seems like he's a fan. Yeah, true. Yeah, to be fair, he he interacted with the wrestlers and seemed to know a little bit. Um, he has no personality. No, no, he's just like the most generic MTV VJ. Like, do you remember in that period, late like actually mid nineties through mid two thousands, there was just like a production line of these. They're just guys, mm-hmm. and he was the one that where they clicked the tattoo option on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they got him off the production line. But yeah, no real. Apart from the fact that he seemed genuinely interested in wrestling and fair play to him, I wouldn't say he was like a negative on proceedings by any chance. He was definitely better on this show to me than Gene Okerlund, who once again, like Gene has long since passed into unbelievably annoying territory in his segments. Gene who actively sabotages the show anytime he's on. And the people he's interviewing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, he's here with Ray. Ray is having a great time as his Conan tune plays in the background. Um, he is offering a rematch to Kidman at Spring Stampede. Yes. <laughs> this is maybe just knowing that this match is coming is maybe my highlight of the whole show. Yeah, oh yeah, Jesus. Something to look forward to. Um, as I said many times, Spring Stampede 99 might be my most anticipated show before we even started this this uh, podcast, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, game on, my friend. Um, Miss, we we then cut to they were doing like a Mister and Miss Nitro thing at the beach all weekend. No, they were It was City. a Cinnabor stat. Yeah. Oh, that's like I will say they really Cinnaburst gum got value for money out of this deal because they basically uh, what from what I understand is WCW spent the entire week at the beach running up to people and telling them you need to shout bite the burst as loud as you can into this camera because we get about what two minutes of this easily two minutes if not longer just pure 90s it's somebody somebody in a bikini shouting bite the burst then you know a couple of quick shots of WCW wrestlers, then another couple of hot women in bikinis shouting bite the burst some sort of like cinnamon gum based raffle yeah um i i love in the shots that they have of the the wrestlers just uh buff and perry saturn completely out of gimmick just like flirting with girls looking very happy with themselves yeah (laughs) yeah they're having a great time i love there's not one chance in this world uh anyone would dare have a conversation with perry that weekend about asking him to show up in gimmick Uh, uh, they did mention some guy called Lucas Check won whatever raffle they were doing and won a thousand dollars. So eh, nothing to be sniffed at. Yeah, well, it depends what you spent it on. Uh, Ricky is back then in the next segment with Disco Inferno slagging off the the women of the Redneck Riviera. Always classy that Disco. Um, what a heel! 
And then, oh my God, this was the most 1999 moment of the whole show. Where, um, so Ricky starts off by saying, I, I found out the way to make college kids silent is to get Disco to tell a joke. And then that leads to Disco calling him Yakov Smirnov and then doing a Yakov Smirnov joke. And there is nothing more end of the 90s into early 2000s than referencing Yakov Smirnov. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Talk, talk about shit that was of its time. Oh my god, that is a proper like way back machine moment. Um, all, all you were missing was a Jerky Boys reference. Yeah, like, honestly. Uh, Buff and Scott, uh, a, a melodramatic breakup video package. <sighs> I Dave, I'm devastated. The goofs have broken up. Um, but w- one thing I'm here for, I am absolutely here for Babyface Buff. Oh, hundred percent, and thus Babyface Judy re- returning eventually. Um. So, uh, Scott is about to throw Buff out of the NWO, uh, but Buff points out to him the fans are carrying his signs, and maybe it's just that Scott is jealous. Scott viciously beats him down, so they have split. Um, in the most, I think, bizarre segment on the whole show... I love get, this. I absolutely love this. <laughs> we get 20 seconds of Finley just showing up to Rick Steiner's house. No, it's not his house. It's, no, it's like, where he's staying, isn't it? It's like a cabin yeah. in the back of the arena. Where him and a referee who is in full like work attire are hanging out. But it's just like Finley said he would go to his house. So of course he goes to the cabin or whatever it is he's staying in. Yeah. And just starts banging on the door going, Steiner, Steiner, come out. <laughs> yeah, and then there's no real confrontation. It's like, yeah, just making sure you're here. Uh, okay. I and loved it. Over. I loved it. Uh, give me, uh, give we, me comedy, Finley. Fuck this serious guy. Then, back to Flair's promo oh, last week. God. They literally showed us this promo in a more concise way half an hour ago. Yep. And they literally cut cut all of it off again at Goldberg spearing Hogan. Yeah. So you don't actually see the big heel Ric Flair walking out on the match. Then we get a video, another video package, this time of Goldberg at NASCAR. And I guess, like, in one respect, you're kind of like, yeah, it's cool because NASCAR is hugely popular and you're showing that, you know, WCW is popular with that audience. You know, that little bit of kind of brand synergy makes a lot of sense. But when it's come at the end of these, like, half dozen segments in a row of pre-tapes and sponsorship things, it's just like, I just don't care. Mm -hmm. I just don't care. Back to Ricky again, who, boy, they are really working this guy. It's like, you know, they pay Buffer, who's here again later, like an ungodly amount of money to speak for 30 seconds. They probably pay Ricky a tenth of what they're paying Buffer per show. And they have him. He's working harder than any wrestler on this show. Oh, yeah, he's, he's all over the show. Yeah. Um, so he's with Hack who says now, after the events of Uncensored, that you must now refer to him as Hardcore Hack, the King of Extreme. <laughs> Later on, Lee, Hardcore Hack will be facing fucking Goldberg. Yeah. I mean, we've just had Dave Meltzer talk about a match that should have been built up for weeks on television. I would argue you should have given at least a teaser the previous week that you were going to do Sandman versus Goldberg. 
he should have given me more warning than this. I was just like, what the... F-? Like, uh, this is not the match I would have put in for either of them, but here we are. No, like, that's what I mean. It's so unusual. I think you should have done, like, even on Thunder, just yeah. fucking build and just say Goldberg versus Hardcore Hack. Um, I love that when he challenges Goldberg, um, I think as a Tony just goes, he's not well, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um... Ricky does a good job here at the end of the segment, though, because he puts over. He's like, everybody in the world is talking about Goldberg at the moment. Then we get 60 seconds with Goldberg. Those packages are always good. Yes, they are. And this is exactly what you should have done. Uh, I write, do more of this and less of everything else so far on this show. This is the one thing that they got in a nice, concise, tight little package. It definitely wasn't actually 60 seconds. But it felt snappy, it felt quick, it was well edited, it was very 1999, mm-hmm. and it gets Goldberg over as being a fucking killer. So that's what you want. Next up, Lee, we have an eight-man tag team match. We do. Uh, featuring some luchadors. Uh, but firstly, I want to get you to tell me, how many segments do you think it's been on this show since a wrestling match? Nine. Close. Ten. This is segment 13. And we last had a match in segment three. We're still in the, like, opening 45 minutes of the show. Yeah. So, this match pitches. Uh, We've got uh, Damien, LaParca, Lismark Jr. and Super Kalo versus Psychosis, El Dandy, Silver King and La Cucaracha. Which definitely isn't racist at all. Yeah, and I wonder who that could be under the Mill Mascaris mask. (laughs) It's the best thing, right? Okay, so firstly, you, like me, it took no less than half a second to realise that this was Disco Inferno, right? Okay, grand. Um, I could not get enough of how disgusted Mike today was about him in a Mill Mascaris mask. I also love that it was a he, um, Zabisco got in a couple of digs at, at uh, Mill Mascaris. Yeah. About not selling and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, I was like, finally a match. But as soon as I saw La Cucaracha, it told me that there was just going to be shenanigans. Um, it was a pure comedy match. It was, it was work for comedy, basically. Yeah. But, again, some of the guys in this, regardless of whether they're doing straight stuff or comedy can't help but be entertaining um a couple of notes i had during the entrances here laparca's gear fucking rocks Mm -hmm. like he's got this kind of like it's not quite the like the plasticky pound shop skulls on the shoulders and he's got more it looks like armor it's yeah it's it's road warrior-esque shoulder pads yes like without the spikes it was very good looks awesome lismark fucking rocks oh man i love lismark we keep saying that Lismark, I think, you know, pretty much all of these luchadors are criminally underutilized. But the one that I'm disgusted by us not seeing is Lismark, because I think this might be maybe the third time we've ever seen yeah. Lismark. Dude. Like, even at the start, we used to see a good bit of Super Kalo mm-hmm. and a good bit of Silver King and stuff like that. But, like, we've still got precious little Lismark Jr. I mean, the dude has, like, grey height. He's a great look. Yeah. I mean, he's a junior. He can play into his, you know, his father's history in the business if you want to go yeah. down that route. And he can wrestle to a decent degree from what we've seen. 
Yeah, Super Kalo uh, got a slightly different version of his mask on. He rocks. We, we've we've talked about how much we appreciate Super Kalo mm-hmm. on the show before. And Damien is also here. Um, we get some bad comedy at the start with La Cucaracha. Then it comes to a brawl. Kind of starts to be a straight match again for a little while with um, Psychosis and La Parca. Um, rapid tags in and out. Some dives near the pool. Uh, my first and maybe my only shriek of horror on this show came uh, when uh, El Dandy nearly snapped La Parca clean in half with a suicide dive. Yeah. Um, just before that, Lismark did a suicide dive over the top where, he, again, he went head first towards was, the ground. It was Undertaker Sim Snooker. Yeah. yeah. And then that was followed up by Dandy absolutely... Do you remember Homer falls over the fire hydrant in The Simpsons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. This yes, hurt. Was it? This hurts more than it looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was Parker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dandy oh my God. kills him. It looked like it absolutely sucked. Uh, then they do a running comedy bit where absolutely everybody is trying moves and dives and missing every single one of them. And then out of nowhere, as if you didn't already figure out who it was, La Cucaracha then hits a bunch of last dance stunners and wins. Um, and then does like a really up-close look down the camera and you can clearly see Glenn Gilberti's stupid fucking face poking <laughs> through the holes in the mask. Hey, was uh, Glenn Gilberti on the... Uh... Impact 20 year anniversary show uh, None of the bits I was paying Close attention to because I was kind of double Screening yeah good because uh, I was like way. Yeah I was kind of I had um, I had Slammiversary On mute while I was actually paying Attention to this show and I was only pausing When interesting stuff would happen On Slammiversary so I definitely Paused so I could tear up during the Tanae and Don West video package And lost my mind When I saw America's Most Wanted come back As well can we just um, say AMW fucking rock? I love AMW. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, no arguments here. Ga- Garrett uh, Kidney uh, resurrecting their reputation on "You've Got to Be Kidding Me" is one of the best things he's ever done. Yeah, it's 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 his masterwork. Uh, we then get another beach video package for Mister WCW Nitro, and then it's my favorite thing about Nitro is that like here in going into hour two is where we do oh yeah we should do the opening video package for nitro yes well because wasn't the first hour unopposed every week yeah so this is the this is the bit where raw comes on the air so Mm -hmm. it's like we need to remind people who we are um and i think it like again i think it's it like it's i find it funny but i also do think it's a good idea uh because theoretically when you don't have bull pain and van hammer it's cool to do a cold open to a show and start hot mm-hmm. in an unopposed hour to keep people engaged. Um, uh, you then get smart casual JJ Dillon, which I was very unsettled by, um, <laughs> and Flair. Uh, he's he. They're kind of like they're doing one of those things again. It's a pet hate of ours, Lee, where uh, wrestlers pretend they can't see the camera that's right in front of them. Yeah. And they're they're plotting that Flair only wants to wrestle the mid card or the cruiserweights, it, and then go party with Aaron in the back of the arena where everybody is. Yes, I I did laugh at the going partying with Aaron because no doubt that is really what he wanted to do. Yes, in Panama uh, City, abso- absolutely. Um. Then we had oh what God, I wrote this, as oh, this was fucking a awful. fucking bizarre 
interview segments. They've, they've. I have great respect for what Dusty Rhodes did in NXT. <laughs> I feel like I feel like every time we bring up Dusty Rhodes on any of our programs, we end up slagging him off, and we actually love Dusty. Genuinely, great respect for him. Some of his promos are legendary, brilliant, great talker. Many great matches. Anytime we've encountered Dusty Rhodes, he has been fucking awful like yeah. all time one of the worst characters on this fucking show in the history of Nitro I'd, like I'd yeah. put him up there with one of the all of the bad ones yeah what What was the fucking um oh fuck what was his name Reno awful Reno. character <laughs> Dusty we're still a while away from the heyday of Reno Dusty is worse than him um was it Reno had the what later then obviously becomes known as the crossroads as his finish? Yes, the roll the, the dice. Roll the dice. Yeah, roll yeah. the dice. Yeah. Which I thought I tell you, I hated Reno, but that was a sick looking move in in two thousand. Um, who else was an awful character from the early days? The Renegade, Dusty yeah. is worse. I mean, just <laughs> this promo. So this is him and Tanay sitting like. On the beach, in front, I guess. in front of a camera, where Dusty is like, "Has this been approved by WCW?" It's like, obviously, Dusty, there's a fucking camera here. Yeah, I like, yeah, like today is going to be the maverick going out without WCW's approval. Anyway, he's got a new haircut as well. It's like buzzed sides and slicked back on the top. The glasses look too small in his face, like he's yeah. fucking Morpheus. Yeah, <laughs> God, he wishes he looked like Morpheus. Um, I mean. This was just so self-serving. Why was this on the show? And did you find it very difficult to understand what the point of any of it was? Yeah, the best part of it was Larry Zbysko's burial afterwards. Yeah. Like, so what I've gotten from it is basically Flair gassed him up to kind of get him on side for... I, I don't yeah, know rem- why. Remember, Dusty was the the referee yeah. in... Was it Wyndham against Malenko or something? Oh yeah, and he he turned his back on the NWO because remember Barry yeah. Windham was in the NWO. That's right. Yes, along with Dusty, and yes. Eric Bischoff trusted these two guys. Yeah, and we had like him explaining that I think Flair promised that he could be commissioner. Yes, so if he helped, apparently Flair had said he'd be commissioner if Flair ever became president. Yeah, but then Flair made. JJ commissioner mm-hmm. so JJ's no longer on the championship committee as a representative he's now commissioner yeah Flair is president for life mm-hmm. um, Dusty is now a consultant to WCW yeah Dusty takes credit for Flair being the president he says you know he set it all up mm-hmm. him and Flair were in cahoots apparently at one stage um. Then Dusty said that he would have been on commentary only for he was too expensive. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about burying yourself there? Yeah. Um, he rips on Larry Z for not being entertaining enough. It's just like, like I said, it was so self-serving, and and very little point besides that. Like, he ends on the point where I think he's trying to book himself into a world title feud with Flair. 
Where he's just I, like, I'm I'm wondering, are we on good terms, Daddy? Yeah, it's like... And he still refers to himself as the Bull of the Woods. Yeah. I can't envisage a world title program in 1999 I would less want to see than Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. Which sounds, again, if you don't know anything about what the state of Dusty in 1999 or the lack of interest we have in Flair's character at the moment. It sounds insane to say I don't want anything to do with Flair versus Dusty, but honestly, just the idea of it, I'm like, ugh. Now, look, Dusty soon goes to ECW and has a fucking grey feud with Steve Carino. Yeah. So I will absolutely give the man credit for all the good stuff he did. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel he gets called out on the bad stuff half as much as he should. No, absolutely not. Um... Yeah, this was just... Yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, uh, listen, you want to talk about bad, we come back to fucking Mean Gene in the ring. Yeah, Mean Gene in the ring with Ric Flair. Uh, as you kind of alluded to there, uh, Lee, the, the other lads burying Tanay. Uh, I loved Tony. Just uh, Was it Tony or was it still Larry when he was slagging him off? Just going the fucking... Like about the vacant expression on his face. That clearly Tanay had no idea what Dusty was talking about at the end of the interview. I'm pretty sure it was I Larry, yeah. signed off really confused. Flair's whole entry. God bless. God bless. Tanay was a superstar in that segment. Flair's whole entrance is eaten up by Larry Z cutting a promo on Dusty and Tony just egging him on the whole time yeah yeah Tony was having a bit of fun this week I yeah. appreciate that oh Tony was in full wind up mode yeah um, Raven almost immediately interrupts Flair um, saying he has never received a title match um, Flair grants him him and Canyon a shot at the world tag team titles uh, it was hard to tell all this Lee because uh, most profitable co uh, wrestling company in the history of the earth cannot get their sound equipment right huge forced feedback during this interview mm -hmm. um, yeah so uh, Raven comes out interrupts Flair says he wants a world title shot Flair says no how about I'll give you a tag title shot with Canyon and Raven says uh, you know Canyon's not here He's off shooting a Jesse Ventura movie. Yeah, I know. It's such a weird... Oh! Unless that shit is fucking Abraxas, I don't want to know about it. I mean, what could possibly be a Jesse Ventura movie in 1999? Uh, will I find out while you're talking? Please do. So, Raven basically says, oh, so it has to be a handicap match. Flair goes, yes. Yes, it does. Um... <laughs> Then Flair moves on to talk about Goldberg. Or sorry, uh, talk about his lottery that um, he has set up for later on tonight. Um, loud Goldberg chants yeah. in the back. And he's, Flair's just like, oh yeah, well, uh, it could be Goldberg. And that's all the notes I took because I have no interest in Ric Flair at this point anymore. So, um, we have got a couple of options here, neither of which are technically actually a feature-length movie. <laughs> so it could have been either a short film he was in called 2020 Vision, where Jesse Ventura played the character of Buddy One-Arm Sanchez. It sounds like something Jesse would do. Or uh, a single episode of Arliss that he was in as himself. Chris Canyon or Jesse? Jesse. I 
I think Raven, well, I don't know if he was bullshitting or if, like, whatever film this was was actually so bad, even on the Jesse Ventura scale, that it never saw the light of day. I'd love to find out. We should try and find out about what exactly this was. Oh, oh, okay. We may have a future nominee for At The Movies. Oh, no. What is it? A one hour and 27 minute TV movie, The Jesse Ventura Story. Is this like Lifetime? I am trying to. It looks like it's actually. Yeah, no, it is a dramatic movie. It's not a documentary. I'm looking at the guy playing Jesse Ventura here. (laughs) And Canyon is in it playing Chris Canyon slash Morris. How does Chris Canyon slash Mortis come into the Jesse Ventura story? <laughs> Did Jesse Ventura introduce like Or unless unless he unless what they mean is he's credited as Mortis. Oh, that would be the absolute best. I'm trying to see if there's any actors I really recognize in this. Oh, uh, this is go- Yeah, he's playing Canyon slash Mortis in this. Was Oh my god, no, we have to see this. So Raven's in it as Raven as well. But Bill Goldberg is in it as Luger. And I really hope he means Lex Luger. So Goldust putting the wig on Goldberg may have not have been the first time Goldberg wore a wig. Oh my god. I really want to see this. I'm so excited. Like, okay. I want to talk about this what? instead of talking about this stupid fucking show. I think we're going to have to get our people to find a copy of this. It's, it's got an IMDb rating of 3.7 out of 10. That's a lot higher than I would have thought. Uh, yeah, they are particularly hard markers at IMDb, so it might actually be all right. <laughs> I'd say it's probably more... Yeah, don't worry. I, f- I found the movie. I'd say it's more uh, historically correct than Young Rock, so... Okay, I, I do you know what I'll I'll tease it right now. That's replacing my pick for the poll this month. I I might actually vote on that one. So if you want us to watch the Jesse Ventura story and review it, you're gonna have to join the Patreon. Fucking hell! <laughs> Woo! Okay, what's next? Because I completely lost the run of myself here. That's oh, uh, to- I was just gonna say that's Patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod. Yeah. Uh, we get a brief shot of the, the commentary team here for once. Uh, and I'll tell you, Tony is he's serving looks this week. He has got a a white ringer tee and God above a leather jacket. Do you think Lois let him out of the house like that? I, I, well, Lois would be powerful, powerless to resist him looking <laughs> like that. Absolute hunk. Speaking of hunks, we've got some hunks of beef here in this next match. As Fit Finley takes on Rick Steiner in a dad battle. Wasn't great, was it? No, no. The highlight of this match was the confrontation before it. <laughs> this isn't uh this isn't Fit Finley has still hasn't gone into his hardcore brawling ways that you're really looking forward to. This is still Hang on, hang I'm on. I'm gonna get you in the ring and slap a hang hold on. on you. I did not say really looking forward to it. I said tolerable. Uh, uh, Lee, I believe you said uh, greatest wrestler to ever lace a pair of boots with Finley. <laughs> what you talked about that. He may not even be the best guy in that gimmick at that time because Brian Nobbs might have been better than him. <laughs> so he may not be the best wrestler to have the surname Finley. 
Yeah, obviously Hornswoggle. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Hornswoggle McMahon Finley. Yeah. Um <laughs> It it is very much wrestled at dad speeds. Uh Fit is trying to keep Rick Steiner grounded with holes. Uh Steiner comes back with a, a pretty good looking DDT and then the Bulldog, but uh, a snooze apart from that. Yeah, the, um it also only took them ninety minutes to mention that uh there's a US title tournament, Dave. I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, this is the rare case of they really should have told somebody uh, what we were talking about on Thunder last week. Um, they then rush out like later on a video package about the US title tournament. Yeah. Uh, recapping an entire promo yet again. Like video packages, putting it very generously. Um, then we get the Nitro Girls and also the arrival of Bobby Heenan. Thank God. Love Brian. Um, then we get a singles match and possibly in some ways the most intriguing match on the show, I think. Hoovy versus El Vampiro. Um, the first thing I was struck by in this match is that really hits home how fucking big Vampiro yeah, is. Yeah, Vamp is a big guy, isn't he? Um, yeah, because like, Hoovy's obviously a small dude. He's a cruiser, but he's not like the most diminutive cruiser no. weight. but. Vamp looks like a fucking giant. He really does. I'd say, to be fair to him, he looks in good shape. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to know, I thought it was very strange that Hoovy was, in fact, wetter than the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, he was. It's like he'd swummed through the pool to get to the ring. Like he was just at the bar and took a dive in and came up. I mean, it, it's not often you see people this wet when they're not getting out of a shower like do you know what I was actually like the bar just reminded me of this is like do you know who a character who would seem like a comedy character WCW would have but is actually a modern day WWE co- uh, comedy character who absolutely would have made the most of the pool in his entrance would be Elias Elias would have absolutely strummed his way to the to the ring while on a lilo I was just gonna say in the si- pool. sitting in a dinghy with like a cocktail yeah. in the little thing. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever see, like that was when I turned a corner on his character when he was doing the, the drifter thing mm-hmm. was when I saw a video of him at like some, I think it was an NXT show they were doing in a venue that had a bar at it. And he just sat at the entrance, bar the whole time. He was, he was already sitting at yeah. the bar when his music yeah, yeah, started yeah. and the spotlight went on it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, this this, this thing's got legs, I think. Uh, dog shit professional wrestler, but the, the, the shtick was yeah, pretty good for a while. Lay off Elias Samson. Uh, well, no, he's like, well, actually, no, he's back this week, isn't he? Apparently, is he the brother still? Or no, no, have you not seen this? So, they're doing the brother thing that he's not Elias, but now for the raw that's happening the night we're recording this, they're teasing that Elias is actually coming back to prove once and for all that they're two different people. He cannot grow a beard that quickly. But that somebody was saying is like, could you imagine if it actually does turn out they're two different people? It would be like earth shattering. (laughs) It's the it, it is just the Joseph Park of this. Yes, yes, but not as good. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah, okay. What? Oh, come on. He's just looking for his brother Chris, you know. Oh no, look, look, I'd love, that was great. I loved the Chris Parks fucking yeah. When he'd see his own blood and freak out and do abyss spots. Oh my god, it's awesome. We should get Garrett on one of these. It just went on for way too long. Yes, I you know story of TNA's life. Um, what the company went on for way too long? <laughs> fucking hell, Dave. <laughs> well, you said it, Lee. You said it. Oh, I'm getting DMs from Garrett. Um, <laughs> Garrett, at one, so th- fifty-eight minutes in. <laughs> did you did you think that um, did you think that this was for about eighty-five percent of this? Oh, this is a squash match. Yes, <laughs> that's what it really felt like. And it turned out we were both wrong. <laughs> we were a hundred percent wrong. Do you think this was a don't get ahead of yourself, kid? And the Hoovy driver is my fucking move kind of match. I don't know. I, I couldn't get a read on it because they made Vamp look incredibly strong. And then he just got beaten in a way that it wasn't like he just, you know, powered out at 3.1 and no, beat he got the beaten. dog fuck out of Hoovy. He got beaten. Like, 
fair and square. It was really weirdly put together match. Um, I thought it was very I, strange that Vamp did like eight different kinds of powerbomb in the match. Yeah, yeah. Which is look good, it, but like it's not gonna yeah. you know get him in well with his you know Booker. No, because well that's what I say like his Booker and like half the fucking roster do some sort of powerbomb variation. Um, at this stage, but um, they oh they absolutely fucked a crossbody spot in this. They were gonna do the thing where Hoovy. Uh, does a crossbody into Vampiro when he's at the ropes and they both go arse over mm-hmm. tea kettle and like Hoovy came in too low and Vamp jumped too late and they just ended up like caught in the ropes yeah. and it looked terrible. Yeah, that looked that I think that's a very difficult spot to pull off at the best of times. There's a high margin for yeah. error on it. Um, like how how many Royal Rumble eliminations have you seen fucked up by that? You know. Hmm. Um, they go through a break and then it's a bit more back and forth but again you get the vibe that Vampiro is being put over really strong he absolutely talk about um, the, the power bombs he's doing in this he does a spin out seated power bomb that I thought that's the finish because it yeah. looked like Hoovy was killed stone dead by it he should have been yeah um, Hoovy sets up a 450 but he gets crotched and then they go to do what I think at the start was supposed <coughs> to be a top rope pile driver um, but ends up as like a top rope gut wrench suplex. Um, it looked a bit messy. Um, and then absolutely out of nowhere, about twenty seconds after that, Hoovy Driver and Hoovy wins. Yeah, a great looking Hoovy Driver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the 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 cruiserweight beat the bigger guy. I managed to have like in the in the the time it took for the Hoovy Driver to land and him to pin him. I had enough time to have the thought. It's like weird that they're just killing the Hoovy driver as a finish in this match. And, and that was no, it. They weren't. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we have, I think, probably the nadir of the show. Um, absolutely hated this segment. Uh, nothing to do with Ricky. Uh, Ricky was back to announce Miss Nitro, who was uh, this girl, Julie Williams. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a very nice, young, polite girl who was just happy to be there. Waving to the crowd and everything. Uh, and then... <laughs> the only way I could describe it is Hash and, uh, uh, Nash and Hogan interrupt uh, beset by an army of scantily clad women. Definitely not college women. No. Um, they absolutely, like, it's all professional fitness models, clearly. Yes. Like, um, they do a survey to see who wins and then Hogan very much melodramatic is like, oh, but one woman is missing. Uh, the crowd now this is very early instance I think the earliest recorded instance of what we now refer to as woke hero Kevin Nash yes I love this he one part sh- of the segment he shut them down fantastic. he fucking I this is like professional stand up comedian levels of killing hecklers mm-hmm. in their seats uh, so the crowd are really obnoxiously chanting and again they have been drinking for hours at this point and it's the 90s. So I can't imagine they weren't expecting this, yep. the, the like the, the WCW producers and stuff. So the crowd are really obnoxious to chanting, show your tits at the, the women in the ring. Awful. Nash, without missing a fucking beat, just goes, hey guys, I would, but it's awfully cold out there. And completely killed the champ oh, yeah, dead. dead. Just Brilliant. an absolute hero. That's why you give that man the book, Lee. I've always said it. <laughs> anyway, the cuts to the ramp. Uh, 
uh, woman at number eight, accompanied by gormless fucking Egypt David Flair, uh, is Tori, aka Samantha, who I believe in this segment goes completely without a name. So she's gone from being referred to sometimes as Samantha to not having a name now. Yeah, she's just a hot person that's with the NWO. Uh-huh. Uh, her heel briefly gets stuck in the ramp um, and they don't cut the camera away quick enough for it not to be a bit embarrassing for her. Um, they do the thing where... Um, she she has clothes Hogan. on. Yeah, Hogan really creepily goes, hey, it's a bikini contest, brother. Um, and she strips off. And then they try to make Ricky pick the winner. And he's like, hey, guys, no, you know, I was here to do this. Judy Williams, lovely woman. Um, I'm not going to get involved in this NWO thing. Nash grabs him, puts him in powerbomb position and says, you are going to decide. He goes, fine. OK, she's the winner. Pointing at Tori. And no, then in I, a... I believe he says, fine, I'll pick whoever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And then Nash, in a in a jab at the uh, the competition, oh. says, Sable, eat your heart oh. out. Which I think is, like, it's weird because of how, like, they would end up doing what, I was going to say in hindsight, but very much at the time was an incredibly creepy uh, long angle with Sable and Tori then in WWE. But it's just funny because it'd be the first time that, Isn't it like, around... one has been mentioned around the other. Isn't it around this time that Sable showed up in the front row of an outro show? Like after uh, post WWE, but pre her yeah, disappearance. So, yeah, yeah, because she's done her heel turn by now. Yeah. Hasn't oh she? yeah, she was healed now yeah, by yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you, you're probably right. But yeah, um, I, and it look, would be would it be later this year that the lawsuit was filed? Yes. That would be the sexual harassment lawsuit against one Vince McMahon. Can't imagine why bringing that up will be topical on this show. But anyway. Um, I'm not going to say anything because if I do, we won't. He won't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. Next match. (sighs) It's Hack versus Goldberg. Cannot believe this match is actually happening. Um, I genuinely think if they had to put some bill behind this, they could have got a little rating for it. They probably could have because, like, all the ECW fans would be like, did you hear what fucking match they're doing next week on yeah. Nitro? Um, and I mean, we all know attacks rules. Yeah, even even for Goldberg, he looks fucking jacked here. Yeah, he is fucking in. It's it's action figure jacked. Yeah, peak physical condition. This is like a man who's about to be cast in Universal Soldier Two. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Here's another plug for DLT at the movies. I know. Oh, well, that's one I actually have down as a mainline episode. Of course, you do. Uh, yeah. So to to peek beyond, uh, to peek uh, behind the curtain here, I have three movies in between now and the end of um, our run of normal shows that will be free movie shows on this, and it's uh, Universal Soldier Two, um, Beyond the Mat, and uh, Ready to Rumble. Will all be free shows when they come around. That's fair. And Lee, Lee just nearly fainted at the prospect of having to watch all three of those. Oh, Beyond the Mat's great. <laughs> no, Beyond the Mat is brilliant. So is Ready to Rumble, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in its own way. In its own way. Um, I will say, right, I firstly, absolutely stunned this match lasted more than a minute. Yeah, I, um, I enjoyed this. I don't... Look, for what it was, and uh, they, they did as much as they could to make hack... A threat to Goldberg. 
Mm-hmm. I thought this was a fine TV match. Do you know what was a, what was a real take home from this match? Hack is a fucking huge human being. He's a being. big guy, yeah. <laughs> like See, I always, he's, I, he's, I remember when he showed up on Raw and people were like, "Oh, he's gonna get be lost in WWE." But like, he matched up to a lot of the guys there. Yeah, yeah. Like he's not, he's obviously not in Goldberg shape. No. But like in terms of his physical frame, he's taller than Goldberg. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's like he's a big, big guy. Uh, I just couldn't get over that. Um, I do love my favorite spot in this whole match was when Hack gets out the cane. And he starts beating Goldberg with it. He just no-sells it. And he just no-sells it with increasing rage and then just screams in his face. Um, Hack tries to do the cane-assisted Russian leg sweep and he just brushes him off like he's a child. Does the power slam an absolutely sick-looking spear where it looks like top of skull went into liver. Yeah. Uh, then Jackhammer, which again, because he's such a big guy, always impressive when he gets the bigger guys up for the so Jackhammer. So easily as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, not a bother on him. Curtains. Uh, and then, yeah, you get to see that those cane shots, uh, Hack doesn't pull his punches because Goldberg is bleeding from the top of the head. Again, just, if you're going to have Goldberg on your show, that's what you do with him. Yeah. There's a very specific spot on Goldberg's head where he seems to get juice all the time and it's right there. Because remember like, the time with the, yeah. his head button, the locker? Um, and then there's a couple of other times it happens throughout his WCW run. And it's just like, he's like a small, like two centimeter in diameter patch right at the top of his forehead that must look like, you know, Abdullah the Butcher's whole head. To be fair, anytime I get juice, it's from there as well. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely you wouldn't believe how often Lee blades on the show it's it's <laughs> unnecessary but he's he's committed Come to his craft yeah, exactly Lee uh, I am so beyond out of energy for Gene Okerlund at this point mm-hmm. so do you want to run us down his interview here with Brett not particularly but ah. I will say Brett Hart's white Calgary hitman shirt is I would absolutely wear that all day. It's badass. I actually had that written down as well. Um, now, it's well documented on this show that we have not been fans of Bret Hart in WCW. We feel he's been wasted. They have not done enough with him at all, especially coming off the screw job. You know, that thing that's still talked about fucking 25 years later. Yeah. All of that said, I think this was Brett's best segment. Yeah, and that's in spite of Gene. Oh yeah, Gene, Gene's a fucking, an absolute arse. But, I think this is the Bret Hart I want. I want Brett on yeah. his own, just absolutely hating on everybody, just being bitter yeah. and angry and just being... Leaning into the bitter Brett that people say he is. Yeah, but he's also not being heelish either. No. Because it, what he's saying at the core of it makes a lot of sense. He says, I've been here one year. Gene, do you know how many title shots I've gotten? Yeah. Gene says, I don't know. He goes, try zero. Um, he says, I get no respect from the WCW. Which, in storyline and for real, is kind of true. Mm-hmm. Like he mentions, when he came into the company, he be Flair. Yeah. He says, uh, Brett, or fucking Gene brings up Hogan. And Brett says, Look, that's never going to happen. I've given up on this happening, but he absolutely knows I would beat him. Um, he and he's like, "Oh, it's the the biggest match possible in the industry, but it's not going to happen." 
Um, Gene then brings up Nash. And Brett's like, look, been there, done that. Again, I can absolutely be him anytime he wants. And he, mm-hmm. he refers to, uh, he says, Nash may be the pencil, but I'll absolutely be the eraser. So if you yeah. are in any doubt that Kevin Nash is the booker at this point, yeah, it's fucking blatantly obvious. Yeah. Again, like a not wild about the how inside we're getting. Because um, like I'm... So something I've been thinking about a lot the last couple of weeks are like the instances in which I'm okay with that kind of fourth wall being broken. Because I know to some extent it's like, look, the magic is gone. Kayfabe is dead. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as precious about it as I, I would have been back in the day. But I think this conversation came up again with the whole, the MJF promo is his pipe bomb um on on dynamite a couple of weeks ago and i was kind of like of the opinion in that instance like i'm kind of fine with it because i can see i think firstly people took it up the wrong way and thought okay this is the start of tony can becoming a, like an on-screen mm. character in the way we've seen because i think that's when this stuff happens everybody remembers the way wcw did it and they're like it's automatically going to be the worst yeah, they, they lean into it way too much and yes, like history and odds don't play in their favor here, but again, I like I I'm willing to give someone else a crack at this and see if if you know it can come out okay. And whatever AEW, I think they've had really scattershot in terms of quality booking the last while. I think when stuff is in MJF's hands, he's batting a thousand mm-hmm. this year. So I'm totally down with that character. It makes sense for doing this kind of stuff. One of the problems I have with WCW, and this is before they're even really laying it on thick, is that it's up and down the card everybody is doing it. Yeah, it's way, way, way too much a part of the show. Yeah, and like again, if you listen to the exact verbiage of like an MJF promo MJF isn't like out and out saying like wrestling's fake in the middle of the promo as would be so often no because because he's the thing WCW would do he's MJF the character he's fired up about how he that character is being perceived and treated it's not oh look I'm Max Friedman I'm fucking yeah and he does say the Max Friedman bit but again this is like a you know, in his case, again, this isn't like, you know, again, I'm not excuse- I'm not like saying everything AEW do is great. Again, I've had a huge amount of problems with a lot of stuff they've done this month, uh, for sure. But the thing I am thinking is that, like, if you know anything, if you've been watching MJF for any length of time, you know that there actually is no real distinction no. between... He doesn't let you have a distinction between Max Freedom and MJF, so there was no, like... Unless you're Sean Rossap and you absolutely believe everything yeah. you're told. <laughs> oh, my God. He's sticking the fucking pros Look, he's already SRS blocked again. us. It's a fine... Did he? Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake, Lee. <laughs> what do you play me for? Well, because I didn't do the tweet, that would be why. But anyway, uh, the, so getting back towards the point, um, the thing that r- rankers with me when WCW do it, even before they're laying it on thick, the more this year goes on and into the Russo era towards the end of the year, is that you have characters up and down the show doing this shit. Um, so it's not special it's not different it doesn't serve mm-hmm. a purpose except to be like nod nod wink wink we're smarter than you at home um and that's kind of i really enjoy this brett po- promo and maybe because i know too much the pencil thing kind of bothered me mm. 
um, because you're acknowledging the existence of the booker and the pencil. But I guess it's in 1999 saying pencil is such an obtuse phrase that maybe it wouldn't have it it would, sails over most yeah, people's heads. It wouldn't heads. have been as obvious as calling him like like Pillman came out and just said booker man, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Whereas being the pencil and the eraser wouldn't have been as widely known a term. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm yeah. sure Meltzer explained it the next week in The Observer oh, or whatever. Couldn't help himself, I'm sure. But, like, it wouldn't have been as widely known. Yeah, and, um, so I, I kind of like, um, I liked his part of challenging Goldberg and saying he could beat him in five minutes, but I absolutely hated Gene's responses. Gene downplaying the man he's interviewing, saying, you absolutely could not do this. Like, you, you're... There's no... Yeah, there's no way. Whereas that, like, even within kayfabe, there are few people in wrestling you would think would more have a chance of beating Goldberg. That you, at least you should think mm-hmm. would have a better chance of beating Goldberg than Bret Hart. Um, yeah, Bret was great here. I'm so ha- like I any flashes of Bret being interested and interesting. Uh, we're going to grab onto on this show. It, it is interesting that Nash is trying to placate as many people as possible as a booker. Yeah. Because I, I guess with the reputation he had he, at the time, you probably would have thought, oh, Nash got the book and it's going to go entirely the other mm-hmm. way. You know? Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you said, placating more people than just like him, Hogan and Hall. Yeah. Is very interesting. Like Hogan's getting his thing; he's after being torn to face. Flair has the title, obviously as a a make good. I can only assume for the whole Iron episode. Uh, Ray, Ray getting the big push after losing his mask. Yeah, Brett is getting something to sink his teeth into with Goldberg. Yeah. Goldberg is getting the Brett Brett stuff, and he's still being treated as a big deal despite losing yeah. to Nash. I gotta stop us here and move on to the next segment before we become uh, Nash booking tenure apologists, <laughs> uh, because I fear like I fear that's that's how we're sounding at the moment. Uh, we then get uh, the Nitro Girls and they're doing a thing where like this incredibly drunk, incredibly sexist crowd could not have been less interested in the Nitro Girls coming out fully clothed as other wrestlers. Um, but I gotta say. Uh, big props to whichever one of the Nitro girls did came out as Hogan and did the full beard and uh, handlebar. Yeah. That that's commitment, and I like that they ran out of time very quickly here. And one of the Nitro girls you can hear just go, "Get out of the ring, guys! Get out of the ring!" <laughs> because WCW very organized as a company, and because why wouldn't you want to rush out of the ring when we had such a classic match starting next? It's Horace versus Vincent. Horace versus Vincent, Stevie Ray and Brian Adams get involved. These four guys are fucking morons. Yeah. I did like that this match was no, so didn't. boring. No, no, no. It's nothing to do with the actual match. <laughs> this match was so boring and so bad that in the middle of it, Tony mused on philosophy. He was talking about human nature and wondering about, you know, Flair as president and champ. Does power corrupt everybody? It's a very, um, very deep conversation for a Monday night. Yeah, yeah. Him and Brain going back and forth about it. Uh, Brain saying any leader will become power hungry. It was uh, great stuff. This match wasn't, though. Dog shit. Yeah, Vincent won. Absolute nerds. 
And then, yeah, they end up in a big kind of like confrontation schmoz brawl at the end. Uh, then we get the lottery for the title shot. Uh, we've got the, the horseman in the ring with a big tombola. And I will say this, love when there's a tombola in wrestling. Um, they re- they, I do miss... I was going to say, they really need to bring it back for uh, the Royal Rumble. Oh, yes. Yes. Um. So... Uh, backstage, it says the number 23 is drawn and El Dandy has it. And I love how, <laughs> again, most profitable wrestling company in the history of the earth last year. And all they could do is have a badly pr- a badly like written 23 on a sheet of A4 paper. That's badly folded. Half folded, yeah. badly folded in the background. El Dandy shows the 23 and Ray is like, hey, I'll take that because he's in a sling. He's he's banjaxed from, you know, trying to murder La Parker earlier. Well, Dave, all I can say is who's Ray Mysterio to doubt El Dandy? I've, he is El Dandy, in fairness. Um... So Ray, Ray takes it. He's going to challenge Flair. Uh, Flair, obviously, because as we all know, he tried to fix this. He said, wait, Ray's not in this. He's a champion. Uh, I told you to fix it. He said to JJ. Uh, Ray says, this is his chance and he is going to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get uh, a Horseman video scored to what would later become Hardcore Holly's theme song. Yeah. as I think we've we've talked about this before. The, the yeah. Holly's song was a... Uh, What's, what's it called? Production library um, song. Yeah, yeah. So it would um, be used on ads over here. Public domain. Yeah, public yeah. domain. So, yeah, because it came up when uh, earlier in our run, the Hardy Boys theme song, which is also mm-hmm. uh, on one of those libraries, came up. Which which um, is amazing, considering people were so shocked that the Hardys showed up with their original mm-hmm. theme song in AEW. Yeah. Um. We get a WCW World Tag Team title handicap match. And Lee, again, it, you know, it's like someone saw into the future and saw how annoyed you were going to get by the idea of tag team titles being treated like shit to start off with one man competing for both tag team titles. One man competing for both tag team titles. And yes, Dave, I love this. Raven as the valiant face is not something I thought I'd be into as much as I I'll am. Get out of here! I'm here for no, no. I didn't think I'd be into it, but I'm super. Did into you it. not watch his TNA run in real time? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. His run to the to uh, the TNA title is fucking fantastic, or the NWA title would have been. Um, so this is like the Horseman beating the shit out of him, and him just not quitting. Yeah, like he uh, he gets beaten up for. Uh, couple of minutes and Milenko puts him in the cloverleaf and then he won't quit so he lets it go so Benoit comes in and just straight away locks him in the crossface and yep. Raven just screaming no 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 just great baby face fucking yep. spot um, so they just keep beating on him Benoit nearly loses him getting up for a, like a powerbomb spot uh, then Saturn comes out uh, to presumably attack Raven. Benoit says, you can have our leftovers, but this is horseman business, at which point Saturn attacks the horseman, House of Fire, dumping both of them with suplexes, rings of Saturn on Dean, but Benoit breaks up uh, for the heat. Uh, and I love Tony's line in here, because it's such a, like, I've been, what, I've been in this company for too long line, where he goes, Saturn is now part of this match, I guess, uh, which is good. Um, and yeah, this is like, what a story being told here in this tag match, because you essentially have Saturn, who's doing his punishment thing, 
but he is willingly taking the entirety of the heat to allow Raven time to recover. Yep, it it's Saturn, the guy who took Raven to his lowest moment. Dis- yeah. Disbanding the flock. The, the guy who broke yeah. him. Coming out to be the one to save him from himself. Yeah. And, and I love yeah. that it's not explicitly, you know, explained. Like, if this were WWE, like, they'd be screaming it down the fucking mics. Yeah. And, but because this was, again, we said this was the best told story of 1998 mm-hmm. uh, for us watching the show, you didn't have to tell us. No. We could just put it together. We weren't treated like idiots. We could put two and two together. We understood what like, was happening. Since September, Raven has just been more and more levels of broken. And yep. the like one of the most standout ones was him against Benoit. And he just passed out smiling in the in the crossways. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um wasn't expecting what a great hot tag guy Raven would be oh, here. So good. I love Raven. I genuinely love Raven. Great hot tag. Um even flow attempt stopped. Um Saturn gets Benoit in the rings of Saturn. So they oh this finish. Right, so this is a DQ finish, but this is one of my favorite DQ finishes I've ever seen. Before you get to the finish, it's the setup for the finish. Saturn's reversal of the crossface into the rings of Saturn. Yeah, where Benoit throws the other way, he throws the arm to lock lock Mm -hmm. down the other guy's arm for the crossface. Yeah, yeah. I can't even describe what Saturn does, but he he leads into like a trip. And yeah. so smoothly locks in the rings of Saturn. In like about three motions. I would gladly watch these guys wrestle each other every single fucking time. It's so good. And then like you said, the finish I will leave up to you. So I, I just thought this was brilliant. Like again, it's a DQ finish, so there's that. But as far as like the story you tell with a DQ finish, I loved this. So Saturn gets Benoit in the rings, as you beautifully described there, my friend. Uh, Malenko is on the outside and so is Raven and he's trying to get into the ring with the belt to break up the rings of Saturn but him and Raven are kind of like grappling with each other Raven's trying to stop him getting in he eventually shakes Raven and gets into the ring but as he's doing that he doesn't notice that Raven has grabbed the other belt gone around the other side of the ring the two of them get in at the same time they see each other and they dive at each other to hit each other with the belt over the guys in the rings of Saturn. So basically what you have is Raven clocking Mel- uh, Malenko, Malenko mm-hmm. in the face with the belt as it seems like Benoit verbally submits to the rings, like almost simultaneously. And what you have is the referee. So the crowd pops massively because they think Raven and Saturn just won the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is like solidifying now that like Raven is just a baby face that people are yeah, into. You've, you've got something here now. Yeah, there is definitely something here and something here with the two of them reuniting. Um, and then the torrent of booze when it's revealed that I think it's Randy Anderson as, as the ref has thrown out yeah. the match. Um, I thought really clever little finish because you essentially have the horseman having to cheat to beat this guy who was considered a loser mm-hmm. him being valiant Saturn being back to being a killer uh, like that the fact that he makes he effectively makes Benoit give up yeah. um, 
And yeah, just like, oh God, yeah. It was really, really good bit of storytelling, I thought. And again, it it goes into the the horsemen now to help solidify their heel turn is that the horsemen are having to cheat to win against people who you You wouldn't expect. think that they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, Dave, I, I am delighted to say that this feud must continue. Yeah. Having that all day. Um... We then get a replay of Miss NWO from earlier, which again, we just saw about half an Mm -hmm. hour ago. Then we get your much vaunted video package, which is essentially just the entire Flair promo throwing a a stripping haul of the belt um, and announcing the tournament. And then a couple of clips of Meng versus Bam Bam from last week on Thunder. Um, Then we get our United States heavyweight title tournament first round match. And it's Scott Steiner versus Chris Jericho. Now, before this match starts, as soon as I knew that this is what the match was, Lee, I said, if there was a man on this entire show, I would have put the mortgage on going in the pool. It would be Christopher Jericho. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when he didn't in this match, I thought, are they actually not going to do it? I thought they were going to do it as a dark segment or something. Um, Yeah. I... What do you think of Scott Steiner at the moment? Because I want to like him. Like, we, we've talked about this. When he went single initially and he, like, when he started kind of messing around and kind of discovering mm. what he was going to be. And yeah. he, like, he found he found the, the gear he was wearing, the shorts with the his face yeah. on him and stuff. He really started to click. At this point, I, I don't know. It's not all there at the moment. I feel like... Yeah, he's got a lot of the recognizable stuff that we really like about him. But it it one, like you said, it's not fully clicking at the mm. moment. And two, I think he's one of the people that may have suffered from Nash trying to please a bunch of different people. So Hogan and Flair are obviously still up ahead of him in the main mm-hmm. event, but now so are Goldberg and Nash as well. Um I feel like he was such a hot character for a while I probably would have tested him out in that world title territory um like as a potential top heel as a foil for Flair when Flair is still face or something like that just just see um because he was getting so much heat and he was getting this rep as like the most dangerous man in the company that like referees were afraid of him officials were afraid of him wrestlers were afraid of him um test that to the max and even if you want to put him against Flair as a heel because Flair is doing the thing now where the referee is in his his pocket so what does a Charles Robinson do does he back his buddy Flair or does he bow down to the man that might actually beat the shit out of him Um, but it feels like by slotting him where he is at the moment and him being maybe not 100% of the way there character wise um it feels like a holding I was pattern. just about to say that's exactly what it feels to me. Instead of instead of elevating this US title tournament, it feels like he's yeah. been put into it to just Yeah. Well, I don't really have anything else right at the moment. Yeah, it like so a lot of his recent stuff has been these this program is geared from the bottom up for Scott Steiner, whereas now it feels like what he's doing now is just to keep him busy. Mm-hmm. You know? Um That said, what did you think of the match? <laughs> Disappointing. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, these are two two guys, I think, 
never really had much chemistry. If you've ever seen any of their WWE stuff, I don't think they've ever really worked well together. Which no. is unusual because you think they would. Yeah. But I wonder is that a genuine dislike they just have for each other? I, I think Jericho has had a lot of feuds where he's against guys that are maybe um like stylistically don't match up well with mm. him. But one of Jericho's strong suits is that um, if he's in that feud with a guy who's a stylistic mix mismatch with him, but that guy is a great wrestler in their own right, Jericho can kind can of follow yeah. along to the, the, the beats of that guy's type of mm-hmm. match. But because there isn't really, like, at this point in time, a Scott Steiner match, apart from, I'm a suplexia until I beat you. Or I'm going to hit you really um, fucking hard because I'm annoyed. Yeah, there isn't really that, like... Like Steiner's obviously not going to wrestle a Jericho match, no. you know. And like I said, what does a Steiner match look like in in nineteen ninety nine? Apart from just like a collection of spots and then a Steiner recliner. Um. So yeah, it is disappointing, not unexpected, but disappointing. The finish really, really irritated me. Um. WCW referees have a tendency to make themselves look like fucking morons. Um. Yeah. I mean, Steiner's low blow. The ref pretends to look away after the low blow happens yeah do you know what i was uh, the thing i was annoyed most about this was they shouldn't have had him even pretend to look away they should have leaned into this is the referees are afraid of yeah, him. they're not, not going to be him. they're afraid it's so yeah. easy yeah this makes everybody look like a fucking egypt um so yeah he he does the Jericho does a standing switch, which gives him an opportunity to try and get something in on Steiner. But as you said, he mule kicks him in the balls, suplex, recliner, that's it. And I, like I said, at the end of this match, I was enraged Jericho wasn't the one who went in the pool because he would be great mm-hmm. to be a candidate to go in the pool. Uh, it's main event time. And I know this because Lee's best friend is here, Mr. Buffer. In a tux. Yeah. In the middle of the Redneck Riviera, surrounded by drunk fucking teenagers yeah well sorry it's america so drunk 21 year olds Mm -hmm. um so he announces the match introduced now i will say it did it was really cool to see ray in the main event Mm -hmm. world title match on night and i felt earned at this point yeah and here's the thing as well is that even though we know because of like how this company pans out they never go with ray um properly um but something I have noticed during this bit of a run is that all these guys who are known for sometimes big timing people or people like Flair who, you know, in terms of legacy in the business at this stage is orders of magnitude higher on the, 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 the pecking order than, than Ray. The enormous respect that a lot of these people show Ray yeah. as, a, as an in-ring competitor because this is definitely like Flair gives him a lot. I mean, um, this match is definitely planned around Ray's yeah, strengths. Yeah, like Aaron bumps on the outside for Ray. That tells you all yeah. you need to know. Yeah. Um. So Ray wants to shake hands with Flair. Dissism. Uh. I loved that. Uh. I think it was a brain asked Tony because Tony bought that the handshake was going to happen, and Brain said, "Hey, you've been swerved." And under his breath, Tony goes, "Every day of my life," <laughs> <laughs> which I very much believe working there that that is yeah. true. Um, I like that. So after that diss, uh, Ray starts clowning on Flair. So Flair is running at him and he's just doing drop toe hold, drop toe hold. And then he like paintbrushes yeah. him uh, to get back for the diss. That was really good. Um, 
Flair gets in his face then. So just as they're talking about, look, the speed of Ray is his main uh, thing. They show how, how much in terms of like guts Ray has because Flair gets up in his face and Flair looks like monstrously bigger yeah. than Ray. And he gets up in Ray's face and Ray just fucking smacks him. And then Flair comes back at him and he smacks him again and we get Flair the Flair flop. flop. So it's like Ray packs a punch and he's not going to back down, which I thought was an important part of the match, the, the psychology of the match. Uh, Flair throws Ray out of the ring. This is this is the bit you mentioned. Double A tries to attack him, but Ray evades it uh, and then gets back in the ring on the attack. Um, a Flair at this point just can't deal with the pace, so he retreats around the ring. Uh, Ray chases him. He's expecting Flair to turn around and hit him with the chop, so he ducks that, but what he doesn't see is Arn hiding behind Flair, who hits the clothesline. I thought that was a very, very clever mm-hmm. spot. Um, Flair is then admonished in the ring for using a closed fist, which I... So, I thought that was really clever because that's the spot that draws your attention to the fact that Charles Robinson is the ref again. Yeah. Before that, you don't really notice. And firstly, you notice, and then Tony hits that home and just go, that's Charles Robinson again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so I thought that was a really good little bit of storytelling. They're, they're, they're really building uh, to him being Flair's fucking, Flair's referee, like. Yeah. Um, Huge Ric Flair sucks chance, which like, again, a week and a half, two weeks into this turn, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting, but um, it's not necessarily just due due to Flair's heel work here, but this crowd are massively oh, into they're, Rey they're, Mysterio. Yeah, this, this is Rey's, Rey's crowd. These are his people. There is no roof on this place, but it would have come off if if Ray against all odds had won here, right? It would, like, they were so... Like, they were into him already at the start. They were even into him when he was talking to Ricky earlier mm. in the show. But by the end of this match, they are in I will say, with Ray Mysterio. I'm glad he didn't win here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, if if ever he, he he didn't, but if ever he was going to win, it should have been a thing that was built yeah, for a long had, time and not given away like, free. See the way, right? This they they talk about this is first world title match. He should then yeah. get a, a world title Nitro main event against the next world champ, and then the next mm-hmm. world champ, yeah. and then you start building towards. Well, I mean, he's faced three previous champions, like, and you you start building that fucking story. Because even you do the thing, like, Buffer did the thing during this match a bit, like, he has been on a tear yeah. lately. So they list, like, Nash, Bam Bam, and who was the other one that he beat? Uh, Scott Norton. Scott Norton, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, because he even calls him Big yeah. Scott Norton. <laughs> um. So, uh, Ray rolls out of a suplex, uh, rolls Flair up for a two count, armbar attempt and a cradle for two, and this, like, pisses Flair off no end, that he's nearly been caught twice. So he just stomps Ray in the fucking throat, uh, which was brutal. Um, the crowd really behind Ray. Flair dominating again. He he does this, so they do an Irish whip, and Ray, yeah. obviously, like, he's a little, he's obviously on the short side, and I think he misjudged it a bit because his, his head, like, rebounds off the top rope and it looked like it fucking not fun at all yeah um so they they just basically get up and they they redo the the whip spot um he slides through he stuns flair springboard face buster uh flair i love this at first i thought it was a botch but i actually think it was really good it was like flair he was so punch drunk that ray went to do the um 
the spin kick and Flair was woozy he, and accidentally yeah, ducked Yeah, he it. evades it uh, inadvertently. Really good spot, I thought. Yeah. Ray does a drop kick, uh, then it hits another spin kick. Flair gets up on top and we get a drop kick from Ray and he hits the Frankensteiner. And the crowd at this point lost mm-hmm. it. So he does a Frankensteiner. He takes a second to get the pin and it's one, two, and Robinson gets pulled out of the ring by Arn. But crucially, again, you know, talk about show of respect here. I know it amounts to a hill of beans because he didn't win the title, but Ric Flair... Being an old man in the business knows the importance of he gave a visual pin he's, to Rey Mysterio on the World Heavyweight yeah, Champion. He, he, yeah, like it's just classic Flair territory champion stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Flair announced still being the champion, and the show mercifully ends with Flair being drop kicked into the pool. And I wish we'd gotten another minute of that. Yes, little Flair because he is disgusted. Yeah, yeah. And he just walks off, I think, towards the bar. <laughs> Would make sense. Uh, yeah, so that was the end of the show. Uh, Lee, what did you think of the show overall? Because even though, like we said, it was, I, I think, overall, one of the worst shows we've seen. But, like, between the Ray bit and the tag team match, there was definitely some stuff to enjoy. Later in the show, there was a couple of bits to enjoy. Like you said, the Raven tag and the Mysterio main event. Other than that, I thought the show was absolute dog, dog shit. I mean, the way they structured the show with so many video packages and flashbacks and just unnecessary stuff. I mean, surely, yeah. I mean, this is nineteen ninety nine WCW. They had to have some good wrestlers backstage, willing to yeah. do a match. I mean, they they threw nine luchadors into that that ten man match that they could have had a couple of really hot lucha matches early in the show it's just so frustrating that like we thought about this like they had so much potential there like look at Ray in the main event yeah but they they just never ever went with it Mm -hmm. yeah really really disappointing but you know there is stuff to look forward to so um, you know we look forward to next week's Nitro we're still on a good positive trajectory with Raven, Saturn now, and Ray. So there, there is some stuff leading into this pay-per-view that you're a giddy oh, yeah, to get to. So I'm not like, even though it was a slog of a show to get through, um, I still feel like I'm coming out of it thinking, okay, there's some stuff I'm going to enjoy going forward, which is, you know, rare enough nowadays mm-hmm. in WCW. Um, anyway, that's going to do it for uh, this episode of Night of Nitro. Thanks for listening in, guys. Um, We'll be back next week on the Patreon. We'll be back in two weeks here with our next uh, show in the timeline, which will be The Thunder just a couple of days later um, after this. So uh, until then, yeah, enjoy the weather if you're in a warm part of the world right now like we are. Um, And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks.